Today's reading from the Holy Gospel according to the witness of St. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own And his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Earlier this uh, past week, I was looking through some of the various news stories that popped up on my cell phone, and I came across one that I think many of you uh, are aware of. Time Magazine, as you know, announces its person of the year each December. Past persons of the year include uh, Mark uh, Zuckerberg, Barack Obama, George Bush, Uh, Pope John Paul II, on Wednesday, they announced their selection for this year of our Lord, 2019, and it was young Greta Thunberg, uh, a 16-year-old environmental activist from Sweden. She is the person of the year. And as I'm reading the article on my handheld device, another story pops up before I'd even finished. That's life these days. And it was reported that thousands and thousands of people were protesting the choice of young Greta. Um, they were upset because the, the, the choice for person of the year was not something that pleased them. They, they believe that the person of the year should be a group of people, namely the uh, Hong Kong protesters. They believe that the protesters as a group should have been person of the year. So as we finish this last month of 2019, many other magazines and organizations are coming out with their best of selections, are they not? As well as the best of soon-to-end first decade of the 21st century choices. The best business, the outstanding volunteer, the greatest athlete, the most notable team, the top 10 most influential people. These selections uh, make today's headlines. They create quite a buzz, but I submit to you they are quickly forgotten. And without using your iPhone or your cell phone, can anyone here today, no one could last night at 5 o'clock, but can any of you uh, brilliant Uh, well-informed, educated people, tell me who was Time's Person of the Year in 2006. Shout it out. Go ahead. 
Come on now. Well, it was you. How could you forget? You, you, all of you were the person of the year. Did you forget so quickly that you had such a high honor? And if you want to find out why time made their selection of you, 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 plural, uh, you can do your own research online. We don't have time for that this morning. I'm just surprised you forgot so quickly. When it comes to all these superlatives, did you know that the Bible has one? And it's not a popularity contest for the one identified as the greatest was most unpopular with the then in crowd. Um, He would never have made the cover of a magazine. The Bible's top pick has nothing to do at all with being popular or successful by worldly standards. Instead, it has to do with faithfulness to Almighty God. And the one making the selection of this superlative is not a committee. It's none other than Jesus himself. So I'll read for you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Well, that's Jesus talking. The Son of God. And we know that Christ, being fully human and fully divine, ranks ahead of all humanity. But when it comes to the rest of us who are not the Word made flesh, Jesus points every generation, every Christian, to his cousin, Elizabeth's boy, John the Baptizer. And it's John, whom you heard mentioned in our gospel reading this morning. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came to testify to the light so that all might believe. He wasn't the light, but he came to testify to it. That true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So this morning I want us to meditate on our gospel reading. And as we do, I hope that all of us come to appreciate our Savior Jesus Christ even more, the role of John, and maybe we'll come to understand uh, our role uh, a little more profoundly this Holy Advent season. So when it comes uh, to these words, what, what comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear words like these? Once upon a time in a land far, far away. I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, I know I'm about ready to hear some kind of fairy tale, some kind of wonderful legend. They begin that way, don't they? In a land far, far away from the realities of your present situation, in a land far removed from your context today, in a land that has nothing to do with how you experience life in the here and now. And these fairy tales begin this way by no accident. They're designed to capture our imagination and help us to escape the here and now. They're tales, after all, whose purpose is to transport us to some imaginary place that we don't experience contextually every day. But the gospel doesn't tell us about Jesus this way, does it? If so, 
then our reading would be a little different, something more like, once upon a time in a land far, far away, a light began to shine. It was the most beautiful light ever seen. And all the people rejoiced and celebrated the brilliance of this marvelous light. Instead, we hear the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. The light shines. It was shining then, it's shining now, and that light is Jesus. And the world <clears throat> tried to extinguish this light. That's what happened on the cross when the light of the world was put to death. But that light did not disappear. That light reappeared when Jesus was raised. And Jesus' resurrection means that he is alive now and forevermore. And the light of his love and mercy continues shining just as that light first shined in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. The darkness <clears throat> did not overcome it, and it will not now. But as I talk and visit with the members of this congregation and other people in our community, I see that people have this sense of foreboding about all this darkness that surrounds us shootings at malls and schools and military installations and churches too, uh, mass murders on our college, university campuses, and then the violence in our own community where we seem to hear of one horrific crime after another on a very regular basis. And sometimes the darkness is closer. It's not out there. It's not in the headlines. It's close. It's in our broken relationships. It's in our sorrow. It's in our losses and our frustrations and our disappointments in others and even in ourselves. And when you brother or sister, are overwhelmed by the darkness of this world, remember, remember that Jesus came to a world such as this and that the darkness tried to put out the light of God's holy love. The sky turned black that Friday afternoon when Jesus was put on the cross, but the darkness did not prevail, though the earth shook and though he was laid in the tomb. The light of God's love shines and God promises you, and he promises me, that the darkness of this world in all of its manifestations will soon enough be chased away forever. It will be scattered, never to return. I want you to remember the light of Christ as you enjoy <clears throat> the decorations in your own homes, your own schools, your own workplaces. I want you to remember the light of Christ as you gaze upon the beautiful uh, Advent Christmas lights that once again adorn our sanctuary. You know, these things are put out. These lights um, are turned on not just to make things look pretty. <clears throat> they are to remind us of Jesus, the light of the world. And this Jesus is no imaginary fairy tale. And Jesus points us to John, the Baptist. He wasn't the light, but came to testify to it. And Jesus said he was the greatest human ever born. 
And Jesus goes on in Matthew 11 to say that we have a ministry like John to allow the light of Christ to shine among us. You have a ministry, you have a mission, you are called to serve God right where you are. You don't have to wait, you don't have to go looking for some special assignment. You've already been enlisted by God to serve him in this army of light. Listen again to verses 12 and 13. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. Bible's talking about you here, folks. If you have received Christ and believe in his name, then God has already assigned you and empowered you and made you his own. You know, I have this sermon for this third weekend of Advent already outlined around Thanksgiving. And God's timing is so sweet and so perfect. Uh, Your church council meets on the second Tuesday of every month. And so we met last Tuesday night and one of our own church members, um, Tamara Leba, who serves on council, was in charge of opening our meeting with devotions. And with her permission, and the entire council's permission, uh, I have uh, their grace and their uh, permission to share the story that she opened our meeting with. So this is no plagiarism. I have permission. And, and by the way, Tamara's very open about her journey Um, she allowed the light of Christ to shine so brightly in her faith walk, even when she was dealing with uh, cancer and chemotherapy. So this is someone uh, who speaks out of life experience. So I said, Tamara, can you send me that story? And she sent it to me, but I can't download it. So she said, oh, just use your cell phone. So here we go. I'm such a 21st century kind of guy. So here's the story. Listen to this. During the early days of trains, a flagman would take his place in the middle of the street, stopping all traffic as a train approached. During the day, he would hold up a stop sign. At night, he would wave a lantern. And here's a story about a flagman and his lantern that goes like this. There was an accident one dark night at the railroad crossing. A lawsuit followed, and during the proceedings, the flagman was called to take the witness stand. The prosecuting attorney asked the usual questions and then followed up with an important one. He said, on the night of the accident, when you saw the car approaching, did you wave the lantern? The flagman answered, yes, I waved it. The attorney for prosecution continued with other questions and then spun around before too long and asked again, did you wave that lantern? Yes, answered the flagman. I did wave it. The case seemed to hinge on this bit of testimony. And the prosecutor, realizing it, once more thundered, I ask you again in front of the jury and all these witnesses, when you saw the car approaching at the crossing that night, did you wave the lantern? Once again, the flagman said, I did. Yes, I waved it. And the railroad company won the case. No damages were allowed. And later, the defense attorney was talking to the flagman, and he said, Boy, that prosecuting attorney really went after you. He had me worried when he kept asking you, did you wave the lantern? So now that the case is over, let me ask you a question. Did you? 
wave the lantern? And the flagman said, yes, I did. But what really had me worried was that he might ask me, was the lantern lit? I submit to you there is no shortage of swinging lanterns today. There are plenty of religions and plenty of Christian congregations with plenty of activities and programs. There are churches that fill arenas with thousands of people as they watch the so-called pastor swinging his lantern of positive thinking. There are churches that swing their lanterns hard to the right side of the aisle politically. And there are churches that lean just as far to the left side of the aisle, swinging their lanterns. But the question for all of them, the question for us here at Faith, is the light of Christ shining? (laughs) Are the lanterns lit? Do we point to Jesus, the light of the world, in what we say and do. A church can be very busy, but omit the business of the gospel. And finally, another reason the Bible is not some fairy tale is because everyone doesn't live happily ever after. The Bible is honest and accurate when it comes to how things really are. And in our reading today, we hear that not everyone accepted Jesus. Some people wanted nothing to do with him. The true light was coming in the world. The world came into being through him. He came to what was his own. And his own people didn't accept him. Some rejected Jesus then. Some will reject Jesus now. Some will receive him. And they'll receive power. And they will join us as members of God's family. Our job is not to decide for others. You cannot make someone believe. But your job is to witness, to have light in your lantern. That's all, and that's huge. That's what John did 2,000 years ago. The greatest human being that ever walked the planet, according to Jesus. And not even John was able to lead everyone to Christ, but he did his part. And you and I are called by God to do the same today. You rub shoulders with, you know people who are still walking in darkness and they don't even know it. And unless children of light share the marvelous love of God through Jesus Christ with them, they might stay in darkness for an eternity. I've been doing this here at Faith for 21 years. People tell me I'm a broken record. Well, get with the times. Who plays vinyl anymore? Just tell me I'm an MP3 player that's stuck on the same song. Between now and Christmas, I ask you to think of someone who doesn't know Christ, or who's walked away from Jesus and his church for any reason. 
and invite that person to come worship with you on Christmas Eve. They may turn you down. I know this from personal experience. But they just might accept your invitation. But they cannot say yes unless you make the ask. So, you may like or dislike time's decision on the person of the year, and you might be one of those who just couldn't care one way or the other. But when it comes to superlatives, let's make sure that we stay focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This culture of popularity has seen many favorites come and go. You were the top pick in 2006, and look at you now. And not one of those uh, choices can give us life or bring light into the darkness of our days. But Jesus can and Jesus does. He's the light of the world. And my prayer for you is that the light of his love would continue shining in the midst of whatever darkness you might be facing now. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.